As Joe Milton turned the corner, is this truly a Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson backfield? And what's to come with Missouri just two weeks away? Those questions and more at your mailbag edition of Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls. It is your team every single day. Can't thank you enough for being here and making Locked On Balls your first listen. As always, shout out every day for consuming this podcast on YouTube, subscribing as well, and wherever you get your podcast. Need to make that push to 10K. We're at 9,400. Uh, 400 in the last couple weeks. Can't thank you enough for the subscriptions to uh, the YouTube channel. Let's get to 10,000 at least before the season's over and uh, have some momentum heading into the offseason challenge. By the season's end, let's get to 10,000. Can't thank you enough for your support already here on Locked On Balls. And as always, big thank you to Game Time for uh, being a proud sponsor of the show. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Got a fun show today. Best of Josh Hopple. Going to hear a lot of what he had to say in Monday's press conference and then your mailbag questions right here on the show. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into it. Josh Hopple spoke in his Monday press conference a lot about the game in Kentucky and what's to come moving on through the rest of the season. Not a whole lot of sock on UConn, uh, but a lot of good things about what he liked and what he didn't like uh, from the Kentucky win. Uh, first, I do want to start with the quarterback, Joe Milton, again, 18 to 21, 228 yards and a touchdown. He was really, really sharp throwing the football through the air. He was good running the football. And Josh Hopple spoke on that about how he's continued to get better. And then the back half of his que- back half of his answer is about him throwing outside of the pocket where he was really good on Saturday. Here's what Josh Hopp wants to say about his quarterback in Joe Milton. Continued growth. Um, there's been a lot of moving parts in front of him. There's been a lot of moving parts out on the perimeter. Just continued growth, <coughs> excuse me, throughout the season, getting comfortable, being in in, uh, in sync with those guys. Um, the fine details of it, you know, Saturday night, we created explosive plays on scramble drills. We hadn't done that in a long time, uh, and, and maybe since I, we've gotten here um, at that level. and. You know, wide receivers breaking off the routes, um, doing the right thing when uh, Joe breaks contain. Um, Joe was, you know, uber efficient, great with his eyes, uh, good fundamentally, and and extremely accurate with the football. It was a a really good performance by him. Well, I just think, you know, fundamentally he's gotten better uh, over his time here. um, And, uh, you know, everybody being in sync and, and breaking off gives him the ability to make some of those plays. Um, but being a guy that is more comfortable when he breaks contain of not just being a run first guy, but keeping his eyes down the football field allows those, those things to happen too. Um, you know, being able to get in a good fundamental position when he had time to. When you're on the run, there's going to be times where you're not to, and, and so those awkward throws, uh, he's continued to improve upon. Again, he's he's not Peyton Manning. He's never going to be Peyton Manning. He's not Hendon Hooker. He's never going to be Hendon Hooker. Um, but. Again, I continue to say this. They didn't ask an awful lot of him, especially especially in the first half. They asked more as the game went on. They still called some shots. Don't get me wrong. He completed one to Chaz Nimrod, who beat the cornerback off the line of scrimmage. But, man, he – I mean, if you want to call him a game manager, he managed the game perfectly uh, in that football game. His misses were not bad misses whatsoever. Um, he was really, really good, and Josh Hopple kind of acknowledged that. And, no, and you know, knowing you're going to need that Joe Milton moving forward to beat Missouri on the road, to beat Georgia at home – and finish this thing out the way that it needs to be finished. Uh, so a lot of good stuff there from 
your head coach on Joe Milton. What about Dylan Sampson, the way he finished the football game? Good Lord, eight touches on that 13-play drive on the last scoring drive, finishing off with the 12-yard touchdown. Man, he critical moments, riding the hot hand. Yeah, sure, Jalen Rob was a bit banged up, but still, Dylan Sampson has been a really, really good player for Tennessee. I think he's got a big, big future at Tennessee as well. And uh, he's kind of that third option or second option, depending on what the week it is. That's what it feels like, at least. Here's what Josh Heupel had to say about Dylan Sampson, who just continues to get better and better and better, and it starts every single day of practice. Yeah, consistency in, in who he is, the energy, the focus, the, the work habits, the practice habits. It's who he is every single day, so you know exactly what you're going to get on game day. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the model of consistency is is – what you need to become the player in every moment that uh, that you want to be. Uh, he's been that. He's been a great leader. You guys have heard me say that. Um, he's continued to grow. Um, dynamic in his playmaking ability. That can be out of the backfield catching the football. That can be him uh, running the football. Uh, you saw him run through tackles uh, the other night. You saw him bounce off people and extend and make plays. Um, and uh, he was really good in pass protection too. So uh, he's becoming a complete football player. And, and uh, we got great trust in him, uh, but we got great trust in all those backs too. Yeah, he was running hard in that fourth quarter. He was running through guys. He was bouncing off guys. He was not coming down on first contact. And you know, I've heard Josh Heupel a couple of times throughout the season over the offseason reference Dylan Sampson being a leader. And that's not just coach talk. I mean, he's a part of the leadership counts on the football team. He's a part of all leaders, um, which is a really big deal on campus. You see him down there being a rah-rah guy, you know, in huddles and stuff. And to be such a young guy, man, the maturity there, and you can you can just sense it whenever he speaks to the media. So he's a good kid, super easy to root for. Um, one more thing about the game, uh, two more audio clips I do want to play here for you. This one's short and sweet. Dante Thornton bumped to the outside and had his best game from a production standpoint. He looked really, really good in what he was doing. Josh Hoppel was pleased with his performance and also, you know, what he was doing when the ball wasn't in his hands. Uh, quick little note here from Josh Hoppel on Dante Thornton, and hopefully this can be a sign to come. Uh, Dante had, had a really nice performance. Uh, I thought he did a really good job with uh, the ball not in his hands. And uh, when the ball came his way, uh, he made plays. Um, he was comfortable and, and uh, performed extremely well. Tennessee needs Dante Thornton to continue to play well. I mean, especially with the loss of Brew McCoy. I mean, even before the loss of Brew McCoy, you needed Dante Thornton. You hadn't gotten anything out of him, anything at all so far this year. Uh, really prior to last game. I know he had a nice catch against Florida, but I mean, seriously, he was under 100 receiving yards heading into the game uh, against Kentucky. You know, that's obviously, uh, he almost doubled his receiving total in one game. So hopefully that's a sign to come. Last thing I want to play for you here. The first time that we really had the opportunity to ask Josh Heupel about an injury to Kamal Haddon. We're going to ask him in post game, obviously, after the Kentucky game. But um, Josh Heupel kind of reacting to, of course, Kamal hadn't had needing uh, in the season ending surgery and how disappointing that is, not only because he's one of Tennessee's best defenders this year, but also you just hate it for the human being. Yeah, um, you know, extremely disappointed for him. That, that's, you know, a young guy that came into our program that's continued to grow on the field, but off the field too. He was playing his best football. Um, you just hate seeing that. Um, you know, the season ends up being taken away. And, and uh, so that's hard for those guys emotionally. And, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, they missed the opportunity just to be in the locker room and, and be with the guys. So uh, your heart goes out to them. Um, you know, I thought the guys that, that had the opportunity to play uh, stepped in and did some really good things. We're going to need to continue to grow there too to, to perform the way that we want to down the stretch. It's awful that he's going to miss the rest of the season. Again, he was Tennessee's best cornerback. Um, 
you hate to see anybody get hurt. You say you hate to see anybody miss the season. It's, it's unfortunate, but you know, I, Kamal Haddon has won over a lot of fans, and people will still remember the South Carolina game. People will still remember him not wrapping up at Florida. I get all that, but he goes from getting booed in the starting lineups, tweeting about it uh, after that game, whatever game it was, one of those home games this year, and obviously, you know, the, you know, not attacking fans or anything, but saying, "Hey, I hear him. It fuels me. All that type of stuff," and then. You know, coming back and tweeting his appreciation for Tennessee fans for the support through his injury, for the support while he's been here at Tennessee, uh, it's kind of been a 180, you know, heel turn a little bit, and that, that's that's really really good to see. So, hate that for Kamal Haddon, but the first time we had a chance to ask Josh Heupel about it uh, at the podium. Hey, when we come back, your mailbag questions. We got tons in segments two and three to get into that and a whole lot more. It's coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. Do you want to tell you about our friends, Game Time? You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next event. Not only a sporting event, but theater, comedy, shows, all that type of stuff. You can get all those tickets, last-minute deals, killer deals, promos as well over on the Game Time app. That's GameTime.com, or you can download the app. So so I talk about this all the time. There's so many events going on at Thompson Bowling Arena at the Food City Center. Yes, you have the Tennessee men's basketball team coming off that exhibition win at, at Michigan State this past weekend without your two best players. Boy, a lot to be excited about. Hopefully, there's some, you know, uh, 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 metaphoric, <laughs> metaphor. I thought I said simile. No, that's not it. Metaphoric fireworks inside TBA this year. But anyway, you have the men's basketball team. You have the Lady Vols. You have the volleyball team, all that. But also, there's monster truck rallies. There's concerts. There's so much that happens inside Thompson Bowling Arena. And for those events all year long, you can find tickets to those events by downloading the Game Time app. Again, it's last-minute killer deals all in process. Views from your seat. The best price guaranteed. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying your tickets. I encourage you to download the Game Time app today, create an account, use the promo code Locked On College, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On College. That's L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, guys, welcome back to your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. Can't thank you enough for being here. Shout out every dayers. This show literally would not uh, be operational without you guys listening every single day and supporting it. I say it all the time. I promise it's not lip service. The fact that I get to get on here in front of a camera, behind a microphone, and talk Tennessee athletics, talk Tennessee football every single day of the year, and I get paid to do it, it's a freaking blessing. And uh, it's because of you guys, so I can't thank you enough. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, tell your coworkers about Lockdown Balls. All right, when you get to take over the show each and every day, Tuesday is your day, everydayers. Let's get into it. Trevor, longtime listener, longtime everydayer. Uh, he was an everydayer before everydayers was a thing uh, here on Lockdown Balls. Trevor, appreciate you. He said, hey, for Twitter Tuesday, watching the basketball game, and they've said Vescovy is back home for personal reasons. It's close to the start of the season. Is there any reason to worry about him missing some time at the start of the season? Um, well, here's the thing. He had, um, you know, a, a personal, you know, a death in the family was upcoming essentially and wanted to go home and be with family when that, uh, when that situation was, was happening to my understanding and Uruguay is not, you know, just a bus ride away. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, difficult, uh, you know, travel can, can be difficult if you know what I'm saying. So, um, you know, we'll see, I, I haven't heard anything to suggest that he's going to miss time. I haven't heard anything to suggest that, okay, he's going to be back no matter what, but the season is, yeah, just right around the corner. If he's going to miss a game or two, I, th I think it's just going to be that. He will not miss a lot. Um, he's going home to be with family right now during this tough time and um, just kind of letting that situation play out, and then he's going to be back. Uh, so to answer your question, I, I can't tell you if he's going to miss a game or not. I would imagine he's probably not going to miss 
Um, if he misses a game, it's not going to be much. If he misses any time, uh, it's just the travel is kind of the thing you got to deal with there. Let's go to Braden. Braden, another long time every day. From a depth standpoint, what seniors are going to hurt the most to lose this year? Okay. Um, you know, we talk about it a couple of times. There's some defensive linemen that I do believe will come back. I don't believe Tyler Barron's coming back, but you know, Elijah Simmons, Bryson Eason, Omar Norman Lott, um, Omari Thomas, all those guys have another year, the COVID year, um, if they want to use it. Now, will all those guys come back? I don't know. I can't say that, but I do believe some of those guys will come back. Same on the offensive line. Technically, Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, John Campbell, and Gerald Mincy all have another year left. Do I think more do I think more of those guys will come back than the defensive line? No, I do not. Do I think all those guys are gone? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Do I think one or two could come back? Potentially. We'll just see how this year plays out. Everybody's different. You got to talk. You got to look at your draft prospects. Got to talk with your family. Guys, NIL is a, a, a thing now. I mean, it's it really is this type of deal. But, you know, Tennessee would welcome back with open arms Gerald Mincy. Of course, Cooper Mays. Of course, Javante Spragans. And, uh, of course, John. I mean, they would welcome back with open arms to any of those guys for sure. Dane Davis will be back. Andre Kirik will be back. I think J.J. Crawford's out of eligibility. Um but um, of those guys who play on the offensive line, you hope a couple of those guys come back. We'll see. Um, also, you, you'll lose Ramel Keaton. Um, you'll lose you know, Dante Thornton. I thought he'd be gone to the NFL this year, but that's not going to happen. I would assume Dante Thornton's going to be back. Jacob Warren and McCallum Cat. So from a depth perspective right here, it's tight end. Uh, you've got to hit the transfer portal and find another tight end for sure, for sure, because Ethan Davis is going to play a lot next year, but you're losing Jacob Warren and McCown Castles, and you know the importance of the tight end position in this in this room or for this team and this offense, 100%. So tight end is the answer to your question. Offensive line will be number two, and then you'll need to hit up the, 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 the secondary. You'll always take a defensive lineman if you can, but you'll need to hit up the secondary. Wesley Walker, Jalen McCullough, uh, they're, they're going to be gone after this year. Um, you got some young guys that you like, but not a whole lot of experience back there, if you will. So, um, and, and of course, a cornerback as well. Kamal Hatton, we mentioned, gave Judy Lolly pretty sh I think he's got another year. I'll have to check on that. Uh, Danico Slaughter has another year if he wants it, but uh, safety for sure. Uh, the second part of your question, what is your dream matchup for a bowl game this year for us? Um, I think Tennessee, if you, I mean, of course, if you get the double-digit wins, you want to go back to a New Year's Six Bowl. But if you finish 9-3, and three, I would love to see Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. Um Love to see Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. Um, need to see Tennessee in the state of Florida. I don't have a matchup for you right now. I'm just thinking more bowl bowl games. Um, man, I wanted to see uh, – you always want to see some old-school matchups. Like, Tennessee-Clemson last year was exciting. wasn't old-school, but that was exciting, right? You want to see those type of matchups. And uh, I think if you get to the state of Florida, you're even if you have eight wins, you're still, you're still looking at which Tennessee, in my opinion, is going to have nine wins. But – Eight wins is the floor. You could still play in the Outback Bowl with eight wins because it's Tennessee. So, no, we'll see. You just need to get to the uh, month or to the state of Florida um, matchup. I mean, depending on, of course, you know, every single bowl has those conference tie-ins. I don't know. Uh, I would like to see Tennessee. You know, Tennessee, Wisconsin's fun. You know, that's always one that's kind of popular. There was some talk about Tennessee, North Carolina last year. Tennessee, Wake Forest last year a little bit was some talk. They went to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but. Um, that was early in the season because Tennessee, of course, went on and had a great year. But I thought that – or maybe that was 2021. Maybe that was 2021. Uh, two high-flying offenses. I remember that was going to be fun. Anytime that's, anytime that's going to give us a fun product, if you will. Uh, let's go to Allen. Allen and I were talking about um, officiating and, and lack thereof in the previous conversation. He says, all right, I'm, I'm not going to pursue any more discussion 
on the uh, oh the side it was the sign stealing the sign stealing stuff Michigan South Carolina until some concrete comes around. Uh, we'll have another question about that here in a moment. He said, now that we're bowl eligible, which states of bowls do you see us being a realistic candidate for by the end of the year? Yeah, it kind of goes along with what I was just saying. Uh, state of Florida, again, I think Outback Bowl at minimum, because I think I think Outback Bowl would just love to have Tennessee with eight wins. But I'm looking at Citrus and then, um, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl. Hi, Eric. Twitter Tuesday question. Another one. What bowl do you see the Vols will end up playing in? You know, I used to write all these down, and I would just kind of cross these off. But, um a lot of uh, a lot of bowl questions here for Tennessee, and of course, I've I've already answered that. Uh, let's go to bookmarks here. Adam says, "Is Charles Campbell our offensive MVP? The A and M and Kentucky game might have gone differently if not for his consistency this year. He's the only one that can score in the red zone. What is the cause of our red zone woes? Does the staff just not trust Joe to let it rip? I wouldn't say they don't trust Joe to let it rip because they have called pass plays down there. Called one of Jacob Warren at Alabama, and he just missed him. Again, I'm still convinced Jacob Warren can go up and make that catch, but um, that was a bad throw, you know." I just things are tighter. Tennessee struggles to run the football in short yardage situations to begin with. Uh, Tennessee did get in from the 12 yard line with Dylan Sampson last week, so that was good to see. You just need to have some more creativity and just you know go make a play. At the end of the day, you got to go make some plays. I don't have a concrete answer for you. It's just Tennessee struggles in short yardage situations where um you know it's a it's a man on man to to block and. Uh, windows are tied a little bit as far as charles campbell offensive MVP, mvp no that's that's jalen rod in my opinion um but yeah charles campbell's been a great addition from the portal tennessee kid good to see have success in the big 10 come home for your last year um he hasn't made a 50 yarder or 50 plus yarder to my knowledge uh, if memory serves me correct he's missed i want to say two at plus 50 um i'll double check on that but anyway um He's been really consistent. He's been good. And, of course, every one of his field goals, just the, the the next one was the biggest one because Tennessee relied on them so much. Well-deserved SEC Special Teams Player of the Week honors. I He is not the offensive MVP. I, I see where you're going with that. I'd still go with Jalen Wright because could you imagine Jalen Wright being, getting 25 carries a game? Again, I think because Tennessee does timeshare in the backfield, it allows those guys to be as good as they are. But, I mean, he's going to coast to 1,000 yards, and he only gets a third of the carries, really, you know? All right, let's go to Daniel. This will be the last one here for this segment, then we'll get into segment three. Daniel says, It seems Coach Josh Heibel is as frustrated with the terrible and some would argue biased officiating as any coach I've seen. Is there anything that can be done to address these issues, and does Danny White have any avenues for complaints? There should be accountability for this. Yeah, you know, we've talked about it all week long, specifically the last two weeks officiating has been horrible across the across the league really across college football it's been bad and i often don't comment on it because again i don't like to go cry ref but i mean it's just kind of a given this year and it's unfortunate yes i agree with you accountability should be there will there ever will be i don't know is it going to happen this saturday no do i think the white hat should get up there and, and go to a five-minute press conference at the end of the game absolutely do i think the sec head of officiating should make public comment on calls that um are or lack thereof that have effects on football games. Absolutely. I should, but it's never happened. And I don't see it changing in the near future as far as avenues to complain. Yeah. I mean, there's back channels. I mean, presidents and, and ADs, they all talk to one another. They know people, at the league office, you send in plays, you send in plays every single year. And if you continue to see the same play sent in by multiple teams, maybe you address that with the rules committee in the off season. If you continue to see plays sent in by the same officiating crew that missed or whatever, uh, the call or had a bad call, 
then the league will look into getting rid of the, that crew uh, because they're not good. I mean, these, these officials, I mean, you know, so, quick sidebar here. I know a couple of officials that um, they're both two. I know two retired officials personally. One used to referee a lot of games in the ACC. The other was an SEC official. I have been with uh, one of these gentlemen on a on a game day before, and I've seen everything that goes into being an official at this level. I mean, it's it's strategic. It's it's a lot. There's meetings. There's there's personal escorts. They get graded on their performance. I mean, I've seen what goes into it. I mean, a lot of people I think just say they sh- just believe they show up and go out there and do a horrible job and then leave. There's a lot that goes into it, but it needs to be better for sure. And so, if enough of these plays get turned in, if enough of these crews get turned in then that's when you see change. But as far as uh, accountability for Saturday or last Saturday, and that's not going to happen. But I do wish the White Hat would get up there and talk because we get to criticize players. We get to criticize coaches. Um, you know, they have to take accountability for that. I think officials, it, it's only fair. It's only fair. Uh, guys, when we come back, we'll continue to get into your questions, more of your questions, comments, concerns, all that and more coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Do want to tell you about our friends at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Let me say that again for you. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's easy, guys. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get into that action than right now. The app is so easy and fun to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props. I talk about that one a lot, totals with those overs, unders, and a whole lot more. To get started today, I encourage you to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. One more time, FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season today. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, we got a final segment left here of this edition of Locked On Vols. We're taking your mailbag questions when you guys get to take over the show. Can't thank you enough for that. Let's shoot right down to Noah looking at next year. How likely is it that we see Brew come back? Also, over under second round pick on Jalen Wright. Um, I'll start with Brew. And I, I just I honestly think it's too early right now. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I mean, how does his rehab go? What's that timeline for him getting back and running, getting back and cutting, uh, getting back to run some routes? We just don't know the answers to that question. It was a gruesome injury. If this is something that's truly going to keep him out, like well into the summer or something, maybe we see him come back. If this is something that's going to miss, I mean, I don't see how in the world he can be ready for a pro day, but maybe he can. I I don't know. I don't. I just I don't have the answer to that. Um, that's something to track for sure because I think it's a it's a real possibility he could come back. I just think it's too early to tell. Um, over under second round pick on Jalen Wright. Eh, I will say, um, I don't know, man. He's he's added some weight. He's become an all around back. He's he hasn't lost speed. I'll say over, meaning third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. But if he continues to finish this season out strong and he declares for the NFL draft, I, he won't be a first rounder. Um, I understand there was a top ten. You know, running back last year, but typically they don't like to waste um, an investment on a running back in the first round. But um, if he finishes strong, who knows? But I would say probably over for now. All right, let's go to Mason. Doesn't this year's Washington team remind you of the Vols last year? Obviously, defense is better, but for some reason they seem to be similar to me. Yeah, explosive offense, really dynamic at the quarterback position, a guy that can make plays on the run, extend plays, escapability. 
Um, you know, they run the football not as well as Tennessee did, but they run the football pretty well. Yeah, I can see the similarities for sure. That's an exciting football team to watch. Uh, let's go to Jared. On the offensive side of the ball, it seems like incorporating the running backs more in the passing game helps us out when the receivers aren't able to get some separation down the field. Could this be key for us moving forward and having more success in the passing game? I'm all for it. You saw a couple of plays where Jalen Wright and or Dylan Sampson lined up in the slots. That was interesting. Nice little wrinkle that we haven't seen so far this year. There was one play in the red zone. The play went nowhere, but Jalen Wright lined up in the slot and Jacob Warren was in the backfield. We've seen in the previous two years at points in times towards the red zone, tight end will line up in the in, in, in at H-back. At, uh, not even H-back, at running back, you know, aside from the quarterback and shotgun. Um, you know, we'll see. But that third down reception by Dylan Sampson was just magnificent. It was huge. Uh, good good, good acknowledgement by Joe Milton to see that, to hit that and go get it. Um, I'm for it, but, man, if Dante Thornton and, and Ramel, if, if Dante Thornton continues to progress and you get confident Ramel Keaton, man, your receivers aren't bad, but we just need to find some consistency there. Consistency more than anything. Um, let's see here. Heupel's hype man says, it's just me, or does it feel like Joe is finally turning the corner? Last two weeks, he's been good. He's been he's been good in, in, in spurts this year. You saw good Joe here. You saw bad Joe here. You saw good Joe here. Last two weeks, he's been good. So, I mean, hopefully, we'll see. I mean, if he puts it together for a third straight game, I think you can say he's turned the corner. Again, will he ever be elite? No. Okay. Will he ever be good and, and a reason that you can win games? Yes, I do believe that. In the last two weeks... Um, he's, he's been good the last two weeks. He has been good. Uh, we'll continue on with Hypel's hype, man. Do you think this is the week we finally get to see Nico play a large amount of snaps, man, you best believe it. And that's again, I was just talking about Joe. That's nothing like I'm not rooting for a quarterback controversy here. Absolutely not. But you need to see Nico play significant football more than just two or three series with the third string when he's getting drilled. You need to see Nico with some playmakers around him. You need to see Nico with some blockers in front of him. So I hope they throw him in there with uh kind of be great if Tennessee's up three scores or whatever late in the second quarter and you throw Nico in there with the first team offensive line. I love to see that. But more than anything, he needs to play a half of football. Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson, John Slaughter, Cam Selden, uh, Ethan Davis, all these guys, Aaron Carter and Jeremiah T. Lander, Jalen Smith, Caleb Perry, all those guys need to play linebacker in the second half. This needs to be a game where you get some guys in there uh, to play some football and, and and to see what you got. Kurt says, if you had to put money on one or the other today, would you bet that Tennessee finishes eight and four or Tennessee finishes 10 and two? Missouri was already looking like a tough matchup before Haddon went down. So Tennessee is at six and two right now. Vanderbilt and UConn will be eight wins. So essentially, are you saying is Tennessee going to split, go two and zero or zero and two against Missouri on the road and Georgia at home? What a great question. <laughs> Um, and again, it was, it was all or nothing. There's no nine and three in there because you know, I take that, <laughs> um, man, I think this weekend will tell us a lot, right? I do not think Georgia is as good as it's been the last two years. Georgia also lost its best player. Having said that, I still think Georgia is the best team in the league. Missouri's much improved. It's on the road. That environment at the zoo is not going to be anything. I'll just go ahead and say it right now. Um, I don't know. I'm half, I'm half glass full. I'll say 10 and two. I, I don't know. Well, no, see, this is a good question. You got me second guessing here. Had Tennessee not gone on the road and I know it was just Kentucky. If you want to slant it that way, but Tennessee went on the road in this league and won a game. 
uh, with your defense not playing poorly. You got really good production out of your offense. For the second straight week, the environment did not affect your offense whatsoever. Had Tennessee not done that at Kentucky, I think I'd be more inclined to say 8-4. and four. But Tennessee handled the road environment each of the past two weeks. Tennessee finally got a road game. Tennessee's running the Tennessee runs the football like that, like you're capable of, and context is key. But you know, Kentucky's rush rush defense was pretty stout. Then I like Tennessee's chances against anybody. I'll answer your question. Let's go half class full. I will go 10 and 2. Uh, just a couple more here. I'm going to try to move through it fast and make sure we get everybody. Have to go over to Locked On Balls account. Have to check in with my dude. Bruce on the loose every day or before every day was a thing. Talk to me about recruiting. Where are we at with the offensive line? I fear the next year our offense is going to take a step back from this year. Yeah, I kind of spoke on it a little bit. Essentially, the offensive lineman that you need to know about that's a big, big get. Tennessee's already got, I think, four commits on the offensive line. I'll devote a segment later this week talking recruiting. It's been a minute since I've done that. Uh, but Bennett Warren, really highly guarded offensive tackle from the state of Texas. Really, really nice player. He's one to watch. He's already committed. Jordan Seaton, the number one offensive tackle in the class. He uh, goes to IMG Academy. Tennessee is very much in that one. Um, Tennessee will have to work and try to win that one by National Signing Day. But if you're able to get him, whoo, that would be just ginormous. That'd be huge. Um, but, uh, you know, Tennessee's pretty decent on the offensive line right now. If you get that one, they'll be great. Recruiting-wise, Tennessee's got a top-10 class, about fourth or fifth in the SEC right now, trying to close out with the Jordan Seatons, the Cam Michaels, and – uh, trying to get another wide receiver, of course, and, and trying to finish off this class the right way. But I'll talk more recruiting um, as the week goes on. I'll spend a segment on that. And then finally, I'll get into a couple of your YouTube questions. Again, don't have a whole lot of time here. Vols fan in Georgia says, why do we think D was fair catching those kickoffs? I think that was coaching. I think they told him to do that. I don't know why you would. I'd let D Williams return everything. Um, but if you remember last year, Jimmy Holiday fair caught pretty much everything. So maybe that has something to do with that. Uh, do you think we see him a uh, possession this week against UConn? I would just to give somebody something to prepare for. I'd throw a gadget in there against UConn. You got nothing to lose. Um, you know, a little end around, reverse, whatever with D. Williams. Give Georgia, Missouri something to prepare for. I would this week. I think it's the perfect week. I understand people saying, hold it, hold it, hold it. Wait for that trick play. Wait, wait for later in the season. Let's put it in our back pocket. I believe, put it on film, make them prepare for it. Make them take away from time and practice to prepare for it. Uh, Shot by Andrew says, after watching it back again, I noticed we're still having issues turning around to defend the ball by missing some, by missing some easy interceptions that lead to big catches. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, you got to turn around and uh, look for the ball. Number one, to know where you're at. Number two, because it is a penalty. Face guarding is a penalty, and you can get called for it. I understand... You don't want to turn your head because you slow down. I get that. So when you're trailing a wide receiver, you're playing the hands. If you're watching on YouTube right now, when the hands go up, that's when you swat. You're playing the hands. And so I get it. But turn around, find the ball, make a pick. Um, that, that's just something that Tennessee's cornerbacks haven't done an awful lot. Um, and, and they do sometimes. But, I mean, over the years, I think Willie Martinez teaches a lot of the times to, um, you know, if you're playing from behind, if you don't have confidence in where you are, Right now, play the hands. Don't lose a step turning around, but you're never going to get interceptions unless you turn around and find the ball. And then lastly, um, two more. Strickland 27, do you think UConn is the worst team Tennessee's played this year? Yes, I do. Virginia wasn't good, but had a big win a couple weeks ago. UTSA was not good when Tennessee played them, but they're much better than that, I believe. Um, Austin P's down a level, but it's a pretty good program. Was really good last year. 
Um, UConn is not very good. It's one and seven, and the numbers are not good. More on UConn as the week goes on. Robo 22, we'll end with this one. How do you think Michigan scandal will affect college football in the end? And in what ways? Yeah, I think people are going to get fired. I think that um, if you can prove a lot of what you've you've already proved some, if you can continue to uncover more things, I mean, I, th- I think there's going to be some firings for sure. And I do think that you're going to see technology inside the helmet, um, you know, middle linebackers and, and quarterbacks like you see in the NFL. And do you think had not playing led to the poor s- secondary play? Uh, sure, it helped out a little bit, but overall, none of those guys played back well. P- played well back there. Safeties were slow getting over. Um, defensive line didn't get much of a rush. And I understand there was some play action. There were some three-step drops. I get all that. But you were just slow. I thought you were really slow at the safety position and a cornerback in that football game. One man's not going to make up for all that. But sure, you'd rather have him out there. And then lastly, how do you see the baseballs flying up and positioning playing out? Good Lord, guys. It is October 31st, but... Um, a lot to be changed, but I, 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 okay, I'll entertain it right here. Um, again, I think a lot of guys will platoon. I think a lot of guys will DH. Uh, again, I do not. These are not starters for 56, 57, you know, however many games there are in the regular season, all right? Uh, I think Cannon Peebles will eventually be your catcher. I think Burke's at first base. I think Moore will start the season at shortstop until proven otherwise. That means I think Brad Key Lowry or Ariel Antigua or Alex uh, Perry. Um, one of those guys will play second base, or if Moore's at second, one of those guys will play short. For the sake of it right now, I'll go Bradkey Lowry. I think Billy Amick's your third baseman. Uh, Zane Denton's still not with the team right now, still not doing the scrimmages and stuff with the baseball team, but I'll go Billy Amick at third base. Your outfield, Dylan Dryling will be one of those guys. Hunter Inslee will be one of those guys. And the big question, um, you got Kavars Tears, you got Reese Chapman. I'll go Tears in right field, knowing Reese Chapman will play a ton. And, uh, again, there's, there's Dalton Barga, who's going to play. There's, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who I didn't even mention that I still think are going to play big roles for this baseball team. So, and of course you're going to have Drew Beam, AJ Russell, and then I'll go the number three starter right now is Nate Sneed, the transfer from Wichita state. All right. Can't thank you enough for making locked on balls. What it is. You guys are awesome. Shout out every dayers. We'll do it again next Tuesday. When you guys get to take over the show tomorrow's locked on balls. Ward Wednesday, Pro Football Focus Wednesday will take back the stats that matter from Tennessee's win over Kentucky. That and a whole lot more coming up on tomorrow's show. Guys, can't thank you enough. Until Wednesday, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody.